0: Focus. Focus. The tide is coming in.
1: But we've just begun our picnic.
0: We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no
1: All Alright, welcome to our week 7 podcast. This is our week... 7 review week 8 preview welcome to processing college football the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain i'm here with mark catlin our college football socrates and i am jason randaza uh, college football plato or maybe aristotle probably more like a freshman philosophy student but every week we process the highlights of the college football world and i make mark explain basically everything i don't understand uh mark how are you doing this week
0: i'm doing great man it was uh, a pretty wild weekend at college football but alabama it was i decently unscathed uh, so it's it's... (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah yeah which is a yeah if uh if, if you just came away with a win, you were pretty happy this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was absolute mayhem. But before we get into all of that mayhem, I do have kind of a just a random question. It's not actually a term I want to define, but a random question. I was watching the games, and I've noticed this before, but I noticed uh, that the referees seem to have a bunch of letters on the back of their jerseys, and I have no idea why. I assume it designates some sort of positioning or something or some sort of task that they're assigned to. I had hoped that maybe it was like a cheerleading thing, and before the games, the ref, like, they would, like, line up and do a cheer and spell out something, but... um,
0: (laughs) I suppose... uh, It
1: seems unlikely.
0: Based on the letters, (laughs) probably not... (laughs) Probably
1: not, but anyway. So, what are the letters on the back of the jerseys?
0: Yeah, so the and we call them all referees, but there's actually only one technical referee, and he's got a big R on the on his back of his jersey. He's the guy that wears Cle- the white, white hat, and he yeah, <laughs> genius really. <laughs> he's the guy who wears the white hat. Everybody else has uh, a black and a hat with white stripes on it, kind of like their uniform but he's the guy who makes all the calls so when sees that you know the guy who says holding on the offense whatever uh that's the referee he kind of has the final say on all calls and rulings uh in the game and all that sort of thing but then there's also normally there's six other officials uh so there's like a seven official system for most football games uh and i it would take a while to explain all of them but there's like an umpire. There is a head linesman, or sometimes called a down judge. There's a line judge, a field judge, a side judge, a back judge. So like the umpire has the U on his back. Um, what does the umpire do? Uh, so each of the referees are assigned to a particular area of the field or kind of group of flair, players to watch. Uh, so that they can you know call penalties for that area of the of the field for that group of players so the umpire usually stands behind the defensive line and linebackers um and looks at you know the offensive line are they holding uh or the defenders do they have hands in the face that sort of thing uh illegal blocks um and so he'll you know count players and all that kind of stuff um and so each each we call referees in general but each one has a designated group like that that they watch so when you see um you know a holding call usually that's going to be an umpire or maybe it's a referee or something like that or maybe it's um the line judge usually looks at the line of scrimmage uh, things like that so um yeah the letters on the back of the jersey are just shortened forms of those so you'll see an sj or an fj and that's side judge and field judge uh, that sort of thing. But it's just to designate what that umpire referee is actually watching on the field.
1: All right. Makes sense. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, so, uh, for those listening at home, if you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, send them in. Reach us on Twitter at ProcessingCFB or email us ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. So... Week 7 review. Mark, are you ready?
0: Oh, man. Sure sure am. Uh,
1: I honestly don't even really know where to start. It was a very busy week. But why don't we just start at the top with the games that we actually previewed. So let's talk number 7, Washington. A field goal favorite at number 17, Oregon. The finals were of this game was basically the difference of a field goal it was 30 to 27 however it was oregon who won so this is actually embarrassing i introduced this game last week and i said that it was a pack 12 game at a time that i could actually watch it but i did not um i believe you had no illusions about watching this yeah, you definitely. said straight away that you would not uh, anyway Oregon, with this win, has basically ensured that there will not be a Pac-12 school in the playoff this year, Uh, and, I don't know, Oregon might not even end up winning their division. A fair bit sort of depends on how they do this week, Uh, but it's another game where they're not favored. Um, I did watch the extended highlights of this, uh, and if I hadn't been watching, I guess, what ended up being kind of the destruction of the SEC East um, uh, at the same time, I, I might have been more into this game. Uh, it seemed like a good even matchup. No team leading by more than seven points at any point, uh, and they're tied after three quarters. They have a scoreless fourth quarter. Sends it into overtime. Oregon wins with a touchdown to Washington's field goal. Um, so I'm guessing you, if you didn't watch it, you don't have a whole lot to to comment on.
0: Yeah, I mean, just that you know, this makes it really hard for the Pac-12 to come out with a with a, a playoff team. Um,
1: Unless we have another week like this, where a bunch of teams like end up losing, and yeah. then you end up yes. having to have a two-loss team well, this in the playoffs, so
0: the, you know with a with a two-loss team that gets in, but but Oregon to me kind of looks like the best team in the Pac-12 right now. Uh, you know they they blew the game against Stanford, but they were they owned most of that game and had to make some pretty severe mistakes to let Stanford back in, and then still only barely lost. So I think Oregon, you know, uh, uh, a couple of things bounced their way in that game toward the end, and they end up winning, and they're still uh, moving forward pretty strong. So uh, they, to me, they look like the best team in the Pac-12. Washington's now out of it, uh, I think. Um, and so, I mean, I think that's the big story from this game, nothing else. Um, so, yeah, there's yeah, the college football playoff picture. uh Sort of felt like maybe it was getting clearer, but it also maybe just got a lot fuzzier, um, based on everything that happened this past weekend.
1: Is Oregon back? <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we're in the overreaction section. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're back. All right, the ducks are Let's back. Let's talk. <laughs>
1: Let's talk number two Georgia, playing at LSU in Death Valley Uh, number two ranked Georgia was about a touchdown favorite over LSU number 13th ranked LSU at the time of kickoff so this game so LSU scores a field goal on their fourth, fourth drive and that puts them up three to zero over georgia and this is only the second time georgia has trailed all season long uh and the first time i think it was like for 15 seconds or so but this well this lasted much longer this lasted the whole game uh yeah so basically georgia lost by a lot uh they don't even get on the board until the third quarter and at that point lsu is up by 16 um so the final score of this game was 36-16 to 16 LSU. Uh, we were really critical, or I was, I don't know, of Joe Burrow last week. Uh, and while he's not putting up, like, thrilling numbers... Or stats. He did complete 15 for 30 for 200 yards, and he ran for two touchdowns. So he, he did more than enough to help his team win. Meanwhile, uh, Georgia's quarterback, Jake Fromm, had his worst game of the season, 16 for 34, 209 yards, one touchdown, but two interceptions. So uh, we have always talked about how you can't turn the ball over when you're playing um, a decent team or you just stand to lose it, and that's what happened here. Uh, Some interesting things out of this game. I thought uh, that uh, it seemed like Ed Orgeron was really playing to win. He makes the bold play. You always hear about how statistically it makes sense to go for it on fourth down more often than coaches actually do, but he goes for it on fourth down four times and converts every single time. So... I don't know. It just seemed like in every facet either Georgia was the worst team or LSU was the better team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, one of the most surprising things about this was LSU just ran the ball right down Georgia's throat. LSU ran the ball 51 times and just owned them, and you said Joe Burrow had the two rushing touchdowns. Um, and it's like, wow. I mean, LSU just absolutely overpowered Georgia. It was nothing fancy. It wasn't a bunch of trick plays. In fact, Georgia tried one and it didn't work. Um, It was just LSU was a better football team. And they said, we're going to run it right at you, and if you can't stop us, then you're going to lose. And that's exactly what happened. And so to me, coming into this game, I would have said Georgia looked like the best all-around team, the most balanced in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. And they got outplayed in every aspect of the game by LSU. And it was was pretty – I was shocked. Uh, Maybe not shocked necessarily that LSU won the game, but the total domination from kind of beginning to end was just shocking to me. Um, Jake Fromm, quarterback for Georgia, looked totally average. Joe Burrow – looked fine. I mean, he kind of looked like himself. He just didn't make any huge mistakes and made plays when they needed it. But the, I think the big thing was just the overpowering Georgia's defense by just running the ball right at him. And so, to, to me, it's like, okay, if Georgia really isn't <laughs> that elite of a team, because it's an elite team, if they have an off day, they, went, they lose by a, a late field goal or something. They don't get totally dominated the entire game. And so it's like, man, we just really don't have that many elite teams uh, at all this year. And Maybe Alabama is, but it's like, okay, I mean, I guess they are, but you know, they haven't played LSU yet. They haven't played Mississippi State. I uh, would have said Auburn before this weekend, but that do not that don't really matter anymore. But you know, they haven't played kind of these tougher teams. So it'll be really interesting. The Alabama-LSU game is going to be huge um, in, in a few weeks. I think it, because we're that's one of, that's one of our that's like maybe our only tough road game. Uh, we played Ole Miss on the road, uh, Arkansas on the road, Tennessee on the road, and then LSU. So it's at LSU like Georgia was. Um, LSU looks a lot better. It looks like they're getting better, and so it's and this is going to be an interesting game uh, for Alabama uh, to see. And I'm I'm still not too happy about our run defense. So I think the LSU-Bama game, if LSU decides just to run it at us, the question's going to be, can we stop it? I don't know that we can. Now, I think we might be able to outscore them if two is healthy. But, man, this is an impressive showing from LSU, and it's got to be super disappointing for Georgia, especially with a couple of maybe tougher than expected games coming up for them. 100%.
1: Uh, so, real quick, uh, Ed Orgeron is back to being the greatest coach of all time, right?
0: <laughs> Let's just include an overreaction to every game. That's great. I like it. Yeah, Ed o, best coach of all time. Oregon, back. The Ducks are back. Uh,
1: all right. So, number 12, Michigan played at number 15, Wisconsin. Uh, they were also a touchdown favorite. This game, another shellacking Michigan wins this game 38-13. to yeah. uh, I don't know. Wisconsin's season has kind of just gone off the rails a bit. I did not watch a whole lot of this game, but Michigan uh, seems like they could be a legit contender this year. However, their biggest games are still ahead of them. Uh, they still have Michigan State. They still have Ohio State, so... Um, it remains to be seen if uh, if Jim Harbaugh can kind of uh, still, I don't know, keep things together in those matchups.
0: Yeah, this game was, they just kind of showed everybody was expecting Wisconsin to be good, the, everything that they returned on offense, all those sort of things, and they just haven't showed anything all year. They have, there's just not really anything impressive that they've done. And almost everything they've done is not even just, like, average. It's very unimpressive, uh, losing to BYU like they did, uh, now getting blown out by Michigan. It just looks like Wisconsin's not a very good football team. Um, and so, yeah, they're kind of, they're out of it. Now, Michigan has not looked very impressive most of the time, but to go on the road to Wisconsin, right, it was a road game, and dominate an opponent... Like that, I think, shows that maybe they're stepping up. Shea Patterson starting to uh, work in that system and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see what Michigan does. Like I said, Michigan State, Ohio State coming up. Those are going to be the two kind of big games for them to see uh, where they are. But in the Big Ten, Michigan looks like a contender. Uh, and so we'll see um, – you know, maybe Harbaugh is actually the greatest coach of all time, and not Ed O. <laughs> he very well yeah. could be. You never know. Um, <laughs> the
1: Wolverines are back. I don't know. They're back. The 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 playoff could be Michigan going against LSU. So <laughs> I think that's uh, I think and that's your j-
0: national championship right there.
1: It would be a battle for the ages, and it might just end in a stalemate after ten overtimes. So but I
0: think uh, you just put Ed O. and Jim Harbaugh in the middle and have them fight that out. And I think in that scenario, Edo wins every
1: time. A couple of things to note about this game before we move on. So Alex Hornibrook, who historically has been a perfectly serviceable quarterback. He was never going to win the Heisman or anything like that, but he has not been bad. But in this game, 7 for 20, 100 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So you and I have talked offline, I guess, about uh, QBR and whatever the heck that means. I, I don't know what it means, but uh, we've talked about how Tua's QBR has been, you know, upwards of 300 or whatever, you know, a couple times. Uh, they usually f- finish for most quarterbacks somewhere between, you know, 60s to 100. That That's pretty average. Alex Horneybrook's QBR in this game was .7. Zero point seven. That's
0: pretty low. So,
1: so just as a comparison, it does seem pretty low. Yeah.
0: So, not the greatest showing. Not the greatest.
1: Not the greatest showing. We can only hope that their their season gets better from here. Um, let's talk Missouri. Missouri was playing at Alabama. Alabama, of course, number one ranked. It was. At at the time of kickoff, it was not quite the spread that we had advertised when we previewed it. We previewed it at about four touchdown uh, favorite Alabama. And at kickoff, they were about a little bit less than three touchdown favorite. Needless to say, they actually ended up covering the spread this week. Final score here was 39 to 10. Um, So... This game was kind of interesting for a few reasons. We saw some of those plays that Saban alluded to where they played both Tua and Jalen. We saw a play where the ball was snapped to Tua, who handed it off to Jalen, who threw it downfield for a first down. Um, And we might have even seen more of that. However, the big storyline seeming to come out of this game is uh, Tua's health. So prior to this game, we didn't know for sure if he was going to... Play. The word was that he was going to play, um, but we thought that he might be injured. He sprained his knee, I guess, and then during a play that seems kind of innocuous, even on replay, it didn't. It, it looked like he ran the ball and then he slid, um, but then he kind of uh, seemed to be injured after that, and he went into the tent and his parents went into the tent and all of that seemed like a bad omen. But then a short time later, uh, he comes out and he has his helmet on, but he he doesn't play another snap. So um, I guess all indication since then is that he is healthy and he will play this weekend against Tennessee. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, of, of course, you know the articles you read is it's 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 quite a, a luxury to basically have your elite <laughs> top talent quarterback be injured and then have to fall back on a second string you know uh, quarterback who's won 26 games that he started at and and lost only two. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if we have to go this next week uh, just playing Jalen and, and Tua doesn't play, that we'll be perfectly fine.
0: Well, I think that'll be okay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the so Tua getting hurt, I mean, I thought, you know, I predicted we would score 72 points. Uh, yeah, didn't. <laughs> the two teams combined only scored 49. So it was, it was kind of a strange game in a lot of ways. Not only did Tua get hurt, um but also, Devontae Smith, one of our starting wide receivers, pulled a hamstring, and Henry Rogues III had an ankle. So it was one of those games where it's like, okay, everybody just shut it down. Just try. It's a weird weekend in college football, so let's at least get the win, but also just protect the players that we need for a national championship run. So that was like very worrisome and kind of tense, but um. Uh, I think the other thing that came out of it, I loved seeing yeah, two and Jalen on the field at the same time doing a little razzle dazzle type stuff. I mean, Jalen caught a pass. He was out at wide receiver and they threw the ball, which was pretty cool. Uh, the play where you hand it handed off to Jalen and he comes back and throws it to Damian Harris downfield. I love seeing that kind of stuff because there's so much you can do. Um, Jerry Judy is just unbelievable. <laughs> He's so fast. At the wide receiver position it's fun to watch him but Tua did look like he, he was not himself uh, his accuracy was off I think his knee bothered him more than he was letting on and so I mean I'm a little concerned as far as it, how is that knee gonna hold up because uh, Jalen can get us pretty far and maybe this year Jalen would actually be good enough to win a national championship but man I just feel a ton better with Tua back there healthy throwing the ball around distributing the ball all that sort of stuff. So they're saying he's even better than he was last week. Um, but, I, I I'll just wait to see it in the game, uh, if they play him. But to be honest, I think we probably can beat Tennessee, uh, with Jalen. And so I, I just wouldn't even play. If, if you feel like he needs to get the start, walk him out there for the first play, let him hand the ball off, and then put him on the sideline. Let Jalen play the game. um, and win the game so that he can have rest on the knee. Then we have a bye week and you can rest him and so that he's healthy because that LSU game's coming up. And I think we're going to need Tua healthy for that game. And so I would seriously consider um, sitting Tua and basically having Tua be the backup for this game in case something happens to Jalen. You could put him in there. But even then, maybe throw Mac Jones in there. Uh, maybe we could win the Tennessee game with Mac Jones. Who knows? But so I think that'll be something to monitor. Uh, the, it seems overly positive to me in Tuscaloosa about Tua's knee, and that has me a little worried. But uh, I think the other thing coming out of this is our defense stepped it up big time uh, with Trevon Diggs going down at corner um, and Drew Locke's ability in the passing game. Missouri, high-powered offense, I think ninth nationally they were ranked coming into the game. And they only got a little over 200 yards total offense. Savion Smith, Trevon Diggs' is uh, replacement, actually had two interceptions first throw from drew Locke, they threw over at Savion Smith and he picked it and almost took it to the house Um, and so I was like wow these guys really came to play to me they looked like they knew that they did not play well against Arkansas and they played angry they wanted to prove something and I love it when we have that attitude and the way that our defense looked so it was good we also stopped the run pretty well and so Missouri only scored 10 points uh, which I thought was very impressive the defense did a great job. I think if Tua had been healthy, we would have scored a lot more, but I thought this would be a high-scoring game um, and ended up being low-scoring, partially because we shut it down without Tua. Uh, we did run the ball a little bit, and then the other side it was our defense just showed up um, and really played well. So, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's good news coming out of this game in terms of our defense, but there's also just question marks about injuries because if Tua's not 100% healthy, Devontae Smith's not, Henry Owens III's not, I think we need to rest those guys um, and have them ready for the big games toward the end of the season. So, all in all, I mean, uh, again, like I said, kind of at the top of the show, it's, <laughs> I'm just glad to come out with a win, uh, and maybe the other big story is, Alabama only scored 39 points, but they still covered. Uh, yeah. And so, that was... That this was, is
1: their lowest scoring game of the year so far.
0: Yeah. So, um it was kind of a weird game, uh, but it was a weird weekend at college football. Good, glad to get out with a win and hopefully um not anything too serious as far as season ending injuries or nagging injuries that kinda linger sure. for a while. So we'll see how all that. Fingers involved. crossed. Yeah, and this
1: was another game where Alabama scored on their first drive. So uh yeah. hopefully we keep that going through well, yeah. you know, I don't know, through twenty twenty two I guess. Um All right, so now let's talk Tennessee at number 21-ranked Auburn. Auburn expected to win this by about 15 points. I previewed this game saying that I had a lot of questions about Auburn, but I did not want to ask the question of what happens if Tennessee beats Auburn. But now I have to ask uh, because that's the reality we're living at. So, this was at home. This was a terrible showing for Auburn, and that GoFundMe campaign might have some steam to oust Gus Malzahn, but the final score here was 30-24 to Tennessee, and frankly, that makes it sound like it was a close game. It did not look like uh, Tennessee was ever not in control of this game. Auburn had three turnovers to Tennessee's zero, and... Um, and just a couple of more embarrassing things. This is Tennessee's first win against Auburn since 1999. And maybe even more embarrassing is this is Tennessee's first win against an SEC team at all since 2016. Uh, and and they play Vandy. So, I don't know. This, this is this is just terrible. I feel really bad for all of the auburn fans we have out there. Um this is clearly not just a down year but uh, a really really down year.
0: Well, yeah, it's a down year especially in comparison to the expectations. I mean, the expectations were to potentially win the SEC, go to the playoff. Jarrett Sutton was supposed to be a potential number 1 draft pick, at, you know, in the NFL and be an amazing quarter. I mean, there's the talent is there for this team to be good, uh, but they're just simply not. And you know, I've I I try to shy away from saying Auburn's not any good. One because even when they're not good, they still seem to give Alabama a challenge. And so it's like, I mean, we I mean, need to shut our mouths. They beat us pretty handily last year. Um, but you know, the other thing is, it's just like man am I being an Alabama homer by saying Auburn's not very good at this point you lose to Tennessee at home like this you're just not a very good football team Uh, so
1: what what do you think accounts for the discrepancy between the obvious talent that Auburn has uh they've recruited well and how they've performed this year
0: I mean the the reason there's GoFundMe pages to try to pay for it's the coaching. Uh, you think yeah, it's a coaching? Yeah, Malzahn's uh, buyout, which is 32 million dollars this year. Uh, so I don't think the GoFundMe is going to get too far. <laughs> um, is it, it, people are going to point to the coaching? Because what else do you point to? You know, uh, you have the talent, you have the players. Now, uh, because coaching involves a lot of different things, it's not just scheme, which it could be scheme and X's and O's. But it's also motivating the players. It's also creating team unity and all those sort of things and developing leadership of the players so that they can lead in the locker room and all that kind of stuff. Coaching is a very difficult, multifaceted thing. And so when you have the talent that's there, but then the team doesn't seem to be coming together and playing to their potential, in some way that's on the coach, whatever that looks like, um, or for whatever reason that is. And so I think you have to point to it and say, what is Malzahn doing or not doing that's causing this? And if he can't figure that out, um, man, it's going to be weird. Now, at the same time, Gus uh, has these weird seasons. And so it w- seems like when expectations are high, they, they underperform, and then you don't expect them to do anything, and they're going to play in the national championship. Um, and uh, I do think Malzahn's offense has always run best when you have a Cam Newton who can run. And Cam Newton could throw as well, but when you when he can run like Cam Newton can and run that read option, and zone. But whose
1: offense doesn't run well under someone like a Cam Newton?
0: Correct. But then there's like most, a lot of offenses wouldn't run well with somebody like Nick Marshall back there. Uh, but they went all the way to the national championship with Nick Marshall, who was a cornerback, corner back, not quarterback that Malzahn turned into a quarterback because of his athletic skill and his ability with his feet. And so Malzahn's offense always works better with uh, a quarterback who is an elite runner. And when there's not an elite running threat at the quarterback position, the offense just kind of seems to slow down because of the way that it, it needs that quarterback running quarterback. And so, I mean, if I'm Malzahn, it's like, okay, let me be honest about what I got here. And it's not that Jarrett Siddham isn't athletic. He's just not an elite runner like a Nick Marshall is he's actually a much better passer. And so, I I mean, I would just go out and find, okay, we need a Nick Marshall. Is there a Nick Marshall out there who's very fast, quick, uh, has good vision that we can put out there, who can also not be the worst passer in the world? And if there is, let's put him at quarterback and see what happens. Um, And so you don't need to be able to pass the ball at an elite level uh, to to run the Auburn offense under Gus Malzahn. You just need a really athletic quarterback. Uh, And they don't have that right now. And so his his offense just always seems to slow down. But you you just go to some junior college somewhere, find this athletic guy, which is where you got Cam Newton, it's where you got Nick Marshall, and bring him over and see if you can't plug him in. And you can go from having a really down year to suddenly playing a national championship the next year because of how his offense is designed. So uh, it's... It's, it's disappointing. I mean, I, I, I like it when Auburn and Alabama are really good at the same time. Those Iron Bowl games are just insane when you're competing to go to the SEC. Whoever wins is going to the SEC Championship. And we just had some incredible finishes in those games. Um, and Auburn could come up and beat Alabama again because it's a rivalry game, and I think they might put all their eggs in the beat Alabama basket, but um, it's not going to have the intensity that it normally does.
1: All right, can I ask a difficult question here? Uh huh. Does Auburn make it to a bowl game this year?
0: Yikes, dude. So they have. Again, let's I see. really hesitate to say negative things about Auburn because I'm an Alabama fan. So I'm going to say. They,
1: well, you know, here, let so. me just tell you. They have four wins right now, okay? okay? They have four wins. All right, hit me. This weekend they play Ole Miss
0: should
1: be a win but they, that that should be a win but, but Tennessee, Tennessee should, been, should also okay then they have Texas A&M wow. then they have Ob- or they have Georgia Oof. then they have Liberty that should be a win and then they have Alabama so if they don't wow. win against both Ole Miss and Liberty i mean they don't one. go to a a bowl game or, I'll, I'll say, or they I'll go say, as a five win team. I'll
0: say yes. I, I'll say yes. I, Gus will lose a game. that He's not supposed to, but also win games that he's not supposed to. So he could, he could beat a and M. Um, he could jump up and beat Georgia. He could jump up and beat Alabama, depending on you know, that rivalry game sort of thing. That atmosphere is uh, good. I mean, the Alabama games that at Alabama this year, so it's a little less likely, but yeah, um, yeah. But the Georgia game's at
1: Georgia. I yeah. mean, so they have Texas A&M That's at home. Tough.
0: Yeah. I think they could get a and I think they, the winnable games, uh, Ole Miss and Liberty are obviously winnable games. Texas A&M is in kind of the area of a winnable game, whatever that means. <laughs> Most useless phrase ever said. Um, but, yeah, the Georgia and Alabama games look like pretty short losses at this point. That's a really interesting question. I, I mean, I, I really hope so, because um, I want the SEC to look good. I want the SEC West to look good. So, I mean, I hope they, you know, can can make it. But it's an that's that's amazing that we could ask that question. This season. I know we they that got to win this like, weekend. Legitimately, be that they might not make it to a bowl game. That's crazy. Anyway, all right.
1: Uh, before we move on, one thing: uh, Tennessee did have a player ejected in the second half. I think it was for targeting. Uh, so he'll be out in the first half against Alabama. Um, so <laughs> they, that's probably not a great start.
0: Away. The, at least the kicking people out of the game, in my opinion. But that's, that's for another time.
1: Sure. All right. Uh, then we had UAB playing at Rice. Uh, they scored on their first drive within 39 seconds. Then they blocked a punt for their second score. Final score of this game was 42-0 to UAB, so UAB is now one game away from getting in a bowl game, so that would be a position that that Auburn would envy, I suspect. Uh, Then we just had a bunch of weird games, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about Florida Vandy here, and then I'm going to summarize kind of everything in a nutshell, but this was a really odd game. So Vandy was up 21-3 to 3 at some point in the first half. Uh, by the uh, end of the first half, it was 21-13. to 13. But as I said, it was odd. Florida was struggling from the beginning, and both teams seemed to be really emotional. At some point, one Florida player gets an unsportsmanlike conduct call for basically pile driving a Vandy player. Then a couple plays later, there was this obvious targeting call against a Florida player. The refs call it, uh, and that's when basically, (laughs) like, all hell breaks loose. Uh, After some unclear sequence of events, I'm still not sure what completely happened. Uh, Both teams come totally off their sidelines. Vandy more than halfway across the field. Dan Mullen screaming, uh, having to be held back by one of his assistant coaches and a ref... I forget what letter was on the back of his jersey, but, um, but the refs call unsportsmanlike conduct on both teams, the whole team, which then that gives the Florida player who had the unsportsmanlike conduct call earlier a second unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, so he is ejected. So in this one play, two Florida players are ejected. Um, And the whole thing must have taken, like, eight to ten minutes. It basically made the entire quarter last a good hour or longer. Um, And you and I were talking before we were recording, but... like the amount of like emotion and intensity in this was kind of absurd because again, it's Vandy and Florida should not be getting that emotional. Uh, but they were trailing by quite a bit and it really looked like they were going to lose, but they ended up, uh, pulling out all the stops, uh, going forward on fourth several times and they end up winning. Um, I don't remember exactly what the final score was, uh, but uh, it was like 36 or something to 21, I think. Something like that. Uh, but anyway, um, I, several things I didn't know. Basically, the entire teams could get called unsportsmanlike conduct. And again, it, it was totally deserved. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that the, the coaches, maybe both or several of the coaches, weren't just ejected straight out from this game because uh, they were really behaving poorly.
0: Yeah, I, anyway. I can't think of any other instances of a whole team being called for unsportsmanlike conduct, but, I mean, if it fits, you know, call it. But, I mean, one of the things that you said is, like, so if another kind of fight happens and, you know, a team gets an unsportsmanlike con- whole team does, it's like the entire team get ejected from the game. I know. Right? And so well, you were asking that, and I think to be consistent with it, and because that one player did, Right, who had mm-hmm. one, sports, one Sports Night Conduct, and then the, the team one included basically like an individual one for him. It's like, uh, maybe you would. You just have to forfeit
1: the game. So here's what I'm wondering, though. Okay, so I know uh, if you're ejected from the game in the second half for targeting, or is it for anything, then you're, you also don't play for the first half of the next game, right?
0: I, I don't know for anything unsportsmanlike like, conduct yeah. okay. for targeting it's yeah but because that, that would be sense. absurd
1: so like uh yeah if a whole team basically got ejected have they had the to forfeit game. the game yeah. <laughs> and then they have to they only get to play for half of the next game no you just you just don't field the team for the first half and the other team gets to score as many points as they want yeah i think that's how it would work Alright, so that's most of our review, but real quick here, uh, just to talk about kind of some of the other nutty things going on. Notre Dame barely pulls off one against Pitt, despite trailing into the fourth. Uh, uh, they end the game 19-14. to Penn State drops one to Michigan State, who, who again lost to Northwestern. Penn State was ranked 8th going into this with playoff talk still happening and now that's over. Uh, UCF keeps the undefeated stretch going just barely against Memphis. Um, They end up winning that game by 1.31 to 30. Uh, Colorado finally loses a game um, so maybe they aren't the playoff team that we speculated that they might be last week. Uh, That loss was to USC. Uh, Miami is once again this week proving that the U is not back by losing to Virginia, but to be fair, Virginia is not so bad. One of their losses was to Indiana, sure, but the other one was uh, to still-undefeated NC State. Uh, So, uh, then we had Iowa State continuing to do what they do best, basically ruining everyone's lives. Uh, It seemed like... Uh, they destroyed Oklahoma State previously, and now they did the same thing to West Virginia. So any talk of Will Greer uh, for the Heisman or West Virginia for the playoff has uh, taken a significant hit. And since I mentioned Oklahoma State having been destroyed, Oklahoma State lost another one to Kansas State. Uh, Should this have happened? Definitely not. I feel like a loss like this Gets that hot seat talk started. Um, and speaking of hot seats, uh, we have UCLA. They won a game, their first game of the season against Cal. Yeah. So Chip Cal's, Kelly, I guess, Cal gets to. Feel
0: terrible about themselves. <laughs> yeah. Chip Kelly run. gets to
1: stay on Wait, Jason uh, did uh, another week. Win? So Nebraska. Did they beat Northwestern? So when I tuned into this game, they were up by 10, and it was like the fourth quarter, so I think they won yes. this one. But but let me just check.
0: Yeah, check the score for me.
1: Nope. They, they didn't win, Mark. <laughs> they blew a 10-point lead uh, with Northwestern tying it to send it into overtime. Um, Nebraska gets the ball first and throws an interception, and then Northwestern just gets a field goal to win. So Nebraska marches forward. Bethune cannot come soon enough. Uh, So that's all I have from week seven. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we go into week eight?
0: No, I think that's it. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's it as far as review stuff. We need to to preview some things. So let's preview the week eight games. It's going to be a whole day of team sports and beer. Get the old
1: heart rate up. Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun. Throw some butter on it. You're going to love it. All right. So first, at the top, I'm actually going to talk about the UAB game. So North Texas is playing at UAB. Uh, this is a 7.30 p.m. game on <laughs> BN Sports, um, which is uh, one of our favorite networks here on the podcast. Uh, this <laughs> might be uh, the toughest game UAB has at home uh, with their home win record on the line. And this is also their homecoming game. I, I give UAB a lot of credit. Usually you schedule kind of a, an easier game for homecoming, but this is a tough game. Um, UAB has a lot to play for. North Texas also has a lot to play for if they want to remain in contention for the Conference USA uh, West Division title. Um, so anything can happen in this game. The only thing that's guaranteed is a UAB win, but how do they do it? a 100 straight or just 80, there's really no telling. Um, so I have UAB winning this uh, by triple digits, um, but I don't have a definite score. How, how do you feel about this game?
0: Oh, much the same way, Jason. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be a big win for the Blazers. I will say, I mean, I hope they, this is um, going to be a big win. North Texas really handed it to Arkansas when they played <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, Beat them pretty badly. Had that kind of trick punt return sort of thing that they didn't really need because they won by a lot. So North Texas is a legit football team, um, and maybe keeps their home winning streak alive by getting the victory, which of course they will.
1: Yeah, obviously they will. North Texas is favored in this game by about a point, but uh, I don't know. I don't know that Vegas ever really accounts for uh the difference of playing in Legion Field. Yeah. Um Legion you
0: know, Field's a tough
1: place to win. Probably. It really is. <laughs> Alright. Then let's talk let's just go ahead and talk Auburn, a four point fa- a four point favorite. A four point favorite against Ole Miss who Alabama beat by like sixty some odd points or something crazy. Um this is a noon game you can catch it on ESPN. Do you have a line for this one? I, Does Auburn cover?
0: Auburn's going to win by a touchdown. Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't really have a good reason to say that at all, other than I just really want it to be the case, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I I really want that to be the case, too. However... Uh, I'm going to give Auburn a little bit of my magic by picking against them because I'm such a terrible picker. Uh, Then they're likely to win. So I'm going to have Ole Miss win this 21-14. All right. Then we have Alabama, uh, a four-touchdown favorite once again uh, against Tennessee. Uh, They are playing at Tennessee. So this is a 3 p.m. game on CBS. It's it's hard to believe, for for me, who really have only been paying attention to college football, I don't know, five or so years. It's hard to believe that this was ever a heated rivalry, but I guess this this is a historic rivalry. Um, I can't really speak to that. The only heat coming off of this game these days seems to be emanating from, I don't know, the decomposing body of Tennessee football. But, um <sighs>
0: But I, I think maybe the coach, the Tennessee coach, is hot seat. There you go. He's new this year, so seat's not
1: really that hot. A little
0: bit more of a pleasant picture.
1: (laughs) Anyway, I think I have Alabama covering this one. Something like forty-two to ten. Uh,
0: yeah. I think. I mean, uh, it is definitely an historic rivalry, and it's it's huge. Um. You know, third Saturday in October is very well known. Unfortunately, it's been the worst run in, by far for Tennessee college football over the past decade plus. And so it's uh, it's not turned into much. And the problem with it going that long and Tennessee not being that good is the players on the Alabama side really just don't think of this as a rivalry. They Basically, like you, you know, I think the last time Tennessee won these guys were like six or seven years old who were playing right now <laughs> and so it's like they're just like what Tennessee's a rivalry uh, I mean I guess so it makes sense because they're near us but it kind of doesn't because they've never been any good and so which is really sad I mean it's a sad state of Tennessee football a uh, very proud program in a very terrible place so um you know, it, it's not going to have a rivalry game type feel to it. I think Alabama will blow out Tennessee, uh, especially if, you know, two of the wide receivers are healthy. Even if not, I think Alabama will still cover. Um, and so I've got them winning um, 52 to
1: 10. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember a, a few years back uh, when I was, you know, planning my wedding and we had set the date, and I told our, our friend John that. You know, I was like, oh, you know, we're going to get married on October 22nd. And John's like, is that the third week? Is that the third Saturday in October? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And he's like, that's Alabama, Tennessee. And I was like, what's the big deal? Like, who cares about the Tennessee game? It just does uh, not matter. It was not. It was thing. not the. It ended up being Texas a and I think. It was Texas A&M. And Alabama won that game. So, Yeah, that was a great uh,
0: wedding, by the way.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. Almost two years ago.
0: All right. So
1: now we're talking number six ranked Michigan playing their in-state rival going to East Lansing. Number 24th ranked Michigan State. Noon game on Fox. Michigan is a seven and a half point favorite here. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do in this game. I'm going to take Michigan State in this game to cover, but not to win outright. I think it's a close one. I'm going to say it's uh, maybe 24-21.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I'm going Michigan State to win outright. Wow. Uh, Slanting C is going to come into play. (laughs) Yeah, rally that Um, slanting C. Come on. Uh, So this is... Uh, I would love to see Sparty beat Michigan. This is for you Logan Matthews, you're listening. Big Michigan State guy. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm going, friend of the pod. They're going to oh for friend of the pod. Uh, they're going to continue the magic. They're going to continue to slay the giants and uh, they're taking out Penn State. Now Michigan's up next and Michigan doesn't stand a chance in all East Lansing. Michigan State uh, beats Michigan in a very similar fashion. Uh, scores late. And uh, I think they win very similar way. Similar score. 21-17. Spartans with a victory.
1: All right. Number 16th ranked undefeated NC State is going to Clemson to play the number three ranked Tigers. Clemson favored by 16.5 points here. This is a 3:30 game. You can catch it on ESPN. I I hate that NC State is going to suffer this loss. However, I do think they they cover here. Final score is going to be low scoring. I think it will be 17-14. Clemson.
0: Yeah, I think this would be a really interesting game just to see, uh, you know, King Clemson stay consistent in their success and all that kind of stuff, and NC State apparently is is a decent football team. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think 16 and is a pretty big line. Um, I'll say Clemson wins, but doesn't cover, and so I'll go Clemson wins
1: 31-20. Alright. Number 22 ranked Mississippi State is playing at LSU, who is now number six ranked. Uh, LSU, seven-point favorites here. 7 p.m. game on ESPN. I don't know. It seems like LSU might have uh, the wind at their backs. So I also am not 100% convinced that Mississippi State is that great. Um, Their win over Auburn is less exciting now uh, so I'm going to say LSU wins this one by about two touchdowns let's say 34-20 to 20.
0: I think this is going to be kind of a defensive battle low scoring affair uh, I think LSU wins but they don't cover be a pretty uh, fun game to watch if you like defense I'm going to go LSU wins 17-14
1: alright Then we have another Pac-12 game. You know, it's actually funny. I wrote this game. So it's number 12 ranked Oregon at number 25 ranked Washington State. Washington State is uh, a two-and-a-half point favorite here. I don't even have the...
0: Washington State is favored?
1: They are currently favored. Uh, I would not be surprised if the line moved in the other direction. However, (laughs) I, I didn't even write when or where you can find this game, because clearly I have no intention of watching it, so uh, a little bit of Pac-12 disrespect there. Apologies, all. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm as surprised as you to see Washington State favored here. They are playing at home. Uh, This is the game day game. Game day is finally going to Pullman. You may have heard about Washington State basically having their flag at every single game day filming oh, for 200 plus weeks, which is I don't know, 15 years or so. So they're finally going to Pullman uh, but I don't know that that's enough to help them win this game. I think Oregon wins at something like 31 to 23.
0: Yeah, I'm going uh, that's, that's a weird line to me, I think Oregon wins thirty-one seventeen pretty easily. That's all there is to it. The Ducks are back.
1: All right. Uh, then our final game. I just want to mention here. We're gonna have to go over into our college football ICU. We're gonna we're gonna check on Nebraska. See how they're doing. <laughs> are they showing any signs of life? They are playing at Minnesota. They're four point favorites. Do they get a win here?
0: Uh, no, they lose.
1: No. <laughs> no. Minnesota actually despite the score I think being in the end something like 30 to 16 did look pretty good against Ohio State this past weekend. Um, so yes, they looked very good against Ohio State. I do not I don't I don't know why they're 4 point favorites. Nebraska is Owen 6. This is the worst start for Nebraska in the history of the program. So I'm not sure why Vegas has optimism in this against pj fleck in his row the boat baby row the boat mentality row The boat. yeah i don't think nebraska gets a win here sorry nebraska bethune we we have you as a win in bethune or with maybe let's
0: we'll see when we get there
1: all right so that's kind of our podcast for this week speaking of podcast you know what my, my wife told me mark She read this somewhere or heard this. or Hell, Uh maybe she even made it up. Uh, Having a podcast these days, uh, I guess, is the modern-day equivalent of a lower-back tattoo.
0: Wow. I thought that was going to be more positive. (laughs) (laughs) No. So this podcast... Well, no, I can't say those words.
1: (laughs) I don't know how to take that. I was just like, thanks, Molly. I appreciate it
0: your support wow. is important yeah. I, I, I don't have anything to say thanks Molly <laughs>
1: um, but I was thinking that gives me just a dynamite idea maybe we could get like the logo about of good. our podcast on our lower
0: back wow yeah, I didn't think it was going to be good and it wasn't <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we should have some sort of bet <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, if Nebraska doesn't be beat Basim <laughs> we have to. <laughs> uh, I really so we'll finally we be invested in. Yeah, in then Nebraska we'll finally be a cheering win. for Nebraska. Yeah, no. That's
1: terrible. All right. Uh, so that's it for our show this week. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you do find us. Please rate and review us. It really helps with our ranking. So, Mark, I will catch you next week.
0: All right. We'll see you then.
1: Peace out. Yo.